Welcome back, everybody. This is Rachel Prince, Airbnb realtor here in Indianapolis, and we are on the Airbnb Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, we have another awesome guest who basically came to me through Danny Resting, always sends me great people, or I think this was just, uh, there was a thread on a Facebook group. Could they get insured, and what insurance company would they use for their short-term rental? And, well, uh, of course, Danny had mentioned proper, and so I reached out to Proper not only to investigate getting some insurance for some of my clients here in Indianapolis that own some short-term rental homes, but also to learn a little bit more about what's going on within the insurance world for short-term rentals. Because I think it's a really important concept for us to stay up to speed with, do you need it as a host or don't you? And um, is home insurance going to be good enough? So today we have Darren with us from Proper. And Darren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, excited to be here. Um, I've known Danny for quite a few years, so it's good to know that he uh, has positive energy around Proper Insurance. (laughs) Did you start in the insurance world? Well, like a lot of um, young children, my my desire was to uh, not be an astronaut and not be a firefighter, but was actually to get involved in the insurance business. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, right. That's, that's definitely you... a joke. Um, okay, good. <laughs> but no, like, like a lot of us, graduated college and just sort of found my way into the insurance world. Um, I, I worked for a di- couple different companies and then about five years ago, had an opportunity to start this program with a business partner and, and own my own uh, in, uh, company, essentially. But yes, for the better part of 15 years, uh, specialty insurance has been sort of the world and business that, that I live in. So were you an Airbnb host before you started the insurance company, or it was just something you kind of like... No. no, where it stemmed from is I worked for a company and we were the largest insurer of bed and breakfast properties in the United States. We actually insured about 40% of all the B&B, traditional B&Bs in the U.S. And what happened in the early um, 2000s, it was really around 2004, 2005 with the growth of VRBO at the time, we were getting a lot of calls where people were turning their their uh, bed and breakfast into vacation rentals. And yeah. you need a little bit different insurance for a vacation rental versus a traditional bed and breakfast because the owner is not on site. There's typically not food that is served. The liability exposure is a little bit different. So at, at my old outfit, we actually developed a program specifically for vacation rental properties. And then when Airbnb came about, um, with the massive growth, the, that's sort of when I had left and developed a product that could essentially cover vacation rentals, Airbnb, sublets, um, all aspects of this short-term rental space. But that's where it originally came, came from was the, uh, was the traditional bed and breakfast space. So were you just like sitting around with your business partners and like, hmm, we could do this? and we already know how to do it. Well, well, yes, but I mean, there's a huge demand for it. So for your listeners, it's important to understand what's the exposure. So for someone who owns 
a short-term rental property, there is typically three uses of that property. We call it triple use of the property. So if you own a, let's just say a short-term vacation home, you, you own a vacation home on a cabin on a, on a lake. There are going to be periods throughout the year where you use that property personally for yourself. It may be two weeks or a month out of the year you vacation there in the summer. And so that's classified as personal use of the property, just like anyone who would own a vacation home. And then there's going to be periods throughout the year where the property is listed on Airbnb or VRBO and it's rented on a short-term basis. So essentially people are checking in and checking out and that's going to be commercial activity. Uh, homeowners insurance defines business or commercial activity as anything $2,500 or more during the annual contract period for financial compensation. So it's very hard to argue that when someone comes and checks into your property for a night or a week, that that is not a business transaction that's being conducted. So that's the second use of the property. Personal, then you have business use. And then a lot of times throughout the year, there's unoccupancy of the property. There may be two, three nights, a week, two weeks, where really nobody's at the property. Nobody's staying there. Uh, which is an issue for insurance companies as well. So basically you have three uses of this property. So you could buy a homeowner's policy, like a lot of your listeners probably have. You could essentially also buy a business insurance policy. So if someone was injured and sued you, you've got business insurance. And then you could look into potential vacancy policy as well. So what we did is we wrapped them all into one product where it doesn't matter the use of the property it's covered at all times for personal use and business use. So it's a hybrid insurance policy. Oh my God, the triple threat. It's genius. Um, that actually must have taken some severe experience and thought. So I think that is, uh, I think you nailed it right there. That is definitely what I would be looking for for my clients and or for my own personal home. So this is awesome. So tell us a little bit about uh, proper and how you guys have evolved and where are you located out of? Or where's proper so from? I'm sitting in Bozeman, Montana. That's where I live. Nice. I've lived in Montana for 20 years. We can essentially run anywhere we have phone and internet like a lot of us and choose where we live. Yes. Choose where we <laughs> live and we decide to live in the mountains and climb big mountains and float rivers and do all the outdoor stuff. So, <laughs> so that's pretty much our Digital nomad. Yes. We're digital yes. nomads. <laughs> exactly. And my old company that I worked for was endorsed by HomeAway um, as their preferred insurance vendor. And again, the growth was happening, and we decided that we could create a little bit better of a product and get it done through Lloyd's. So we're a cover holder at Lloyd's of London. That is the, the policy that we sell, is a Lloyd's policy. And I'm actually proud to say that, that five years later, uh, HomeAway has switched their endorsement. So if you go on to, uh, I know you primarily focus on Airbnb, but if you go to HomeAway, they exclusively endorse our product to all of their owners because there's really such a need for specialty insurance in, in this industry. And depending on what carrier you talk to, you really kind of get different answers from different agents um, d d depending on who you talk to. But, but essentially that's what the move was, is take what they had, make it better, 
and get the deal done through Lloyd's of London versus a, a domestic insurance carrier. And we've been off and running uh, ever since with, with over 20,000 policies written and, and growing monthly. Uh, wow, that's incredible. And I think it's really interesting that you saw a market for this, especially having worked with HomeAway. I find that there's room for improvement with some of the things, but you know it's hard to be a uh, it's hard to be spearheading this industry. And I know HomeAway has <clears throat> maybe possibly taken on more than they can chew by taking you know up all of these different types of um, mini companies with VRBO, HomeAway, and so on and so forth, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, the need is out there. Can you go over what current or what other options there are out there for this type of short-term rental insurance? I mean, is there is there even any one that can com- come close to you guys? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've positioned ourselves as the premier policy. So basically, when I when when we built this this contract, if you will, because that's what insurance is. It's a contract that you buy to transfer your risk to an insurance company and you pay a premium for it. And and everything that's covered or not covered is defined in that contract. Now, most people don't pull out their 50-page insurance contract and actually look what's covered, what's not covered. But when we built ours, we positioned ourselves as, as the premier policy. We're, we're typically on the higher end as far as cost is concerned. Um, but what we found is that most people who are running an Airbnb business want better coverage, and it really just didn't it, exist in the marketplace. So there are a handful of companies that will do a policy very similar to ours. There's a Berkshire Hathaway program. There is a auto owners program, a foremost program, American Modern. So there's a lot of these companies. If you were to talk to a local agent, you might be able to find a specialty policy. Um, But what, what separates us from those other options is everything we do that we build in is is from a coverage standpoint. And not everybody wants to pay more for insurance. We understand that. We don't sell clothes every person we talk to. Um, but, but there are other options out there. And what a lot of your hosts probably do is, number one, they haven't necessarily notified their insurance company of what they're doing with Airbnb. And... You know, I'm not trying to play scare tactics here, but that is not a smart way to operate because if your insurance company finds out that you're running an Airbnb and you didn't notify them, they can essentially deny any claim they want to, even if it's not related to the Airbnb because it's a partnership. They're trusting that you're acting as a reasonable person living in this home and they charged you a premium for that. And if you're trying to be sneaky and fly under the radar and not tell them what, what you're doing, then and when it comes time for a claim, they could absolutely deny a claim. So the first thing you need to do is let your insurance company know what you're doing with short-term renting on Airbnb. And then if you're not covered, which most homeowners policies just simply don't cover business activity, you could purchase a supplemental policy, which would be like a $7 or a $10 a night policy. There's quite a few companies out there. Slice is one of them. Comet Home is another one. 
peers liability, property protect. So there's a lot of these companies popping up saying, keep your homeowner's insurance, but buy our policy just for the nights your property is rented. Um, that's okay, but it doesn't address the underlying issue of your homeowner's insurance not being correct from the beginning. So we don't really like that approach, but just hit Google, type in Airbnb insurance, and the first few pages will be filled with um, people specializing in this market. Right, yeah. Well, so one of the so that was kind of one of the questions I was going to ask is, you know, most most of if someone buys a house and they get homeowners insurance, and then you know they're they're really not covered under that po- policy per se because maybe they maybe even at the time they didn't know that they were going to run an Airbnb fully, mm-hmm. and they haven't made their decision yet, but then maybe they change their mind and they don't think to go back in and, and change their the homeowner's insurance or what have you, or maybe it's just, yeah, they're afraid, you know, they're afraid that they're going to get denied with homeowner's insurance and it's required for a loan. So um, I think maybe it's for ask for forgiveness later type of scenario for a lot of these people. But now that we know that there are options out there, uh, maybe hosts can hear this, podcast and say, oh, well, maybe there's just more, there's more options for me than before. And I can actually go find a company, an insurance company that will support my business endeavors. Because in the past, I feel like uh, insurance companies have been like, no, no, you know, we don't do that. And you can't do that. So people have just done it without their permission. And there, there hasn't really the market, the, the industry never really embraced it. But now I think what you're saying is, um, there's a market for it. Uh, there, there are companies and, and insurance companies like Lloyd's that are actually willing to take this on and realize what a big market it is indeed. And um, I think that gives us a lot more uh, hope and makes us a little bit more at ease with you know, me being a host and also having to manage some of my clients' homes. So it just puts us at ease a little bit more. And I can go back to my clients and say, hey, these are your options. Um, I recommend you do this. So um, I love the concept of the supplemental policy. Do you think proper is going to come out with something like that? Or are you going to, they're just going to stick with the triple um, use? No, we're not. And, and here's the reason why. It's, um, it, it's essentially it could be considered sort of worthless. Um, Mm -hmm. And here's what people need to understand. Have you ever walked into a uh, hotel lobby and seen a uh, slippery when wet sign on the (laughs) floor after they mop the lobby? Yeah. Why do you think that's there? Liability. Correct. Because a hotel has a different level of a duty of care, okay? When somebody flies from Europe to come stay in one of your short-term rental properties and they put their head down at night to go to sleep, they are under the assumption that you know what kind of wiring is in your home. They know that your roof is not going to collapse on them. They know that there are safety measures taken in an area where maybe there's stairs with no railing and so on and so forth. And so this is the maturation of this industry. And insurance is a huge part of it. 
make no mistake, you are competing against Hilton. People are not staying at Hilton, and they are staying at your property. And Hilton has certain rules and regulations and duty of care and hospitality law that they are subject to. And the industry is moving in that direction for Airbnb properties. You see this with the short-term rental regulation that's happening in essentially every city across America. In 1940, there were three big hotel fires that happened, and about 100 people died. And the public outcry was huge. And they said the government needs to come in and regulate these hotels. And those are the modern hotels you see today, where there's fire exits, there's fire extinguishers on every floor. All of these codes and duty of care and level of standard was put in after those fires happened. And so for someone who's running an Airbnb and having guests come in and out of their house, it's all great. We love the sharing economy. But if something goes wrong and someone is seriously injured or there's some serious property damage or something, you need to let your insurance company know exactly what you're doing. That's the one takeaway from this podcast for your listeners is don't fly under the radar. Let them know what you're doing and, and find a solution for insurance because they exist. Supplemental is not the solution because it only covers you for the nights your property's rented. For the other periods throughout the year, you essentially have no coverage on your home. And one, the, one, the thing I'm going to finish on with this question is I want you to Google Emily Richer versus Traveler's Insurance. It's a case in court right now in California where Emily Richer is suing Traveler's Insurance for denying a claim that had nothing to do with Airbnb. And she claims that these insurance companies, which there's a lot of data to support this, are systematically denying claims if those properties were listed on Airbnb. They can scrape the data, they can find out if your property was ever listed, and they can deny any claim they want. So this is a really, really important thing to address. You can't fly under the radar. So, you know, that's spoken like a true insurance man. And I only say that because I have a mother who was uh, in, started a nonprofit for insurance, Medicare and Medicaid. So, of course, you know, what do you think she was, our conversations were like. But, um, mm-hmm. but of course, I'm not, you know, 60 yet, but but there was definitely talks of, you know, you have to have emergency insurance and things like that. Well, I, what about Airbnb coverage, insurance coverage, um, liability insurance? You know, they say they have a $1 million in insurance mm-hmm. coverage. I think that Absolutely. puts a lot of Airbnb hosts at ease. And even Absolutely. if they don't have it with their home, um, you know, their home's not going to, I think maybe some of them think, oh, well, my home, uh, you know, homeowners insurance won't cover this. However, if my home burns down, you know, Airbnb could cover it. They say they have the, the insurance to protect it. What about what about that? Yeah, great question. But just back to Emily Richer real quick, because this is an op- public domain. You can see this online. A tree fell on her guest house. 
had nothing to do with Airbnb. 99 out of 100 claims that you may file are going to have nothing to do with an Airbnb guest. You may have a hailstorm that damages right. your roof. You may have a broken oh, water pipe. Oh, I see what you're saying. So a tree fell on her guest house. She filed the claim. That's covered under insurance. Right. It always has right. been. They denied the claim. Because, because they said we didn't, she had rented her property 14 days on Airbnb. They said, we didn't know that you were running a business from your home and renting out your second dwelling, and we're not paying the claim, period, end of story. If any wow. part of the risk, so you have to understand, when you're looking at a home, how old I is I mean, it? from the insurance company, though, what was beyond that, what... I guess, yeah, it, it brings up, well, like, why did they really deny it? Because she had they a side case. They denied the claim because she is running a business. But so what? What does that house? have to do with the insurance policy? Because is, is there something in her insurance policy that exposure. says? It changes the risk exposure. It changes the risk exposure. They charged Emily a 1000 bucks, let's say, yeah. to cover yeah. her home like any other home. And then... Three, they've been charging her a thousand a year every year, and then it happens to be three years later a tree falls on her roof, okay, and they find out she's been running an Airbnb out of her guest house this whole time. They denied her claim because no, I that understand risk that, but that doesn't make <laughs> But it doesn't. It, nothing changes. The fact is, a tree fell on the thing. It has nothing to do with the Airbnb business. Or are you saying the fact that Correct. there could have been people in there? Oh. That's why she's but that, doing it. But that sounds hypothetical. I don't know. That sounds really strange. Um, I mean, I totally get it. It's kind of like... It, here, yeah. Here's the thing, though, Rachel. Insurance companies, I'm the general underwriter for this program. Right. We're a step above your Main Street agent. I need to determine what is the risk at your property and what is the appropriate premium to charge you. And right. when somebody says one thing and then does another at their property, they void their contract. So ah. Emily Richards' contract says, I'll pay 1000 bucks. you cover my house. But as part of this contract, I'm not allowed to run a business. And I agree oh, to I that. Oh, I mean, that's different. That's different. If, if it was in there that says she can't run a business Every single homeowner's contract in the United States says that. You're not right. allowed to run a business on a homeowner's policy. So what I'm saying is, even though Airbnb has a host protection that says we'll cover everybody for a million dollars if somebody's injured, that's great. It's great marketing, and there's loopholes in it, and there's a lot of exclusions, but fine. Sure. Good for them. What about the hail damage? What about the tree damage? What about the broken water pipe? Those are the real right. things that you file insurance claims for. Because you violated your insurance contract by running a business out of your home and not notifying your insurance company, there's no coverage for nothing. Potentially not. Yeah, absolutely. Potentially. Again, potentially. Potentially. Yes, potentially. I mean, you, you never know. But yes, I think for, for like I said, you're, it's spoken from a true um, industry person. So, but, but I think you, you are you are making light or you are bringing attention to that which most people do not think about on a regular basis. I think most hosts are um, just saying, you know, hopefully nothing happens. <laughs> and hopefully I just get it, you know, like I can just fly under the radar with this. So you're right. Um, you're right. That's what I was saying. So, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, there is uh, certainly liability. And it's interesting because, you know, when I have a conversation with my accountant, it's how can I, you know, write off the areas in my house for my business or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's not, do you have insurance to cover this? So your tax person is not going to have this discussion with you. It's literally going to be up to the property manager to maybe say, hey, host, you know, this is something you might want to consider or your realtor who says maybe, you know, you want to be forward thinking about this aspect of it or for the host to do their own due diligence. And I I just, I think now that there are more options for short-term rental insurance that, like I said, I think people are going to definitely start to investigate it more since it's, it's not so faux pas and it's available. So uh, what you had mentioned um, that you have a higher cost. Can you mention some of your pricing or is it different per, do you have like a range or, you know, what um, hosts are paying or is it based on how many yeah, houses? Yeah, no, or? great, great question. Thank you. And I apologize if I seemed a little heated there. Um, it, it just, as you said. We know you, you take this times. seriously. Well, well, it is. And we just, we just went is. through Hurricane um, Michael and we've had a few calls coming in of total losses on properties um, that were completely wiped out. Um, and yeah. it, it's, uh, it, it, I'm not saying I'm not in a good mood today, but it's just insurance. We live and breathe insurance. We see the lawsuits. We deal with yeah. this stuff. And it, it is really unfortunate that a lot of people just, like you said, kind of fly under the radar. And, yes, there's a lot of options out there. Nationally, if you were to go across all 50 states, all counties, all zip codes, we're probably about 35, 40% more expensive than a traditional homeowner's policy. So if you were paying, say, $1,000 a year annually through Safeco or State Farm or something, we would be probably 1400 1500 something like that. Um, okay. So not too much more expensive. No, um, that's not the, too crazy. For the people who do the re-rent policies or the master lease, I'm sure you have a lot of clients who essentially will long-term rent a property and then turn around and run it on Airbnb as a short-term rental, which is a, a great market. It's really growing. We do insure those properties as well, and it's pretty much across the board $500 a year annually. Wait, so what are you, you saying had, for people who do 30 days or over? Uh, no, so for the, for the people who will long-term rent, say, a condo or apartment from the owner of a property, and then they will turn around and short-term rent that property oh. on Airbnb. Uh, we call them re-renters. Um, some people call them the arbitrage model or the master lease yeah. model. Um, and we do sell We sell a lot of those policies. Um, we, we're seeing, starting to see that pop up in a lot of cities ar- around the U.S. I mean, we work with property managers all across the country, from Vacasa down to the small local property manager, if you will, if we're, if we're saying you're kind of a host manager or a property manager, the way that most of them do it is in the agreement that they have with the owner to manage this home and run it and XYZ is that they carry a certain level of liability insurance and that you and your company get added as additionally insured onto that policy. Um, most of the larger PMs require it, they won't manage homes without it, uh, and they will collect copies of their certificates of insurance. 
So let me just clarify. Are you saying that the homeowner would get the insurance with you guys, and then they would add an additional property manager or you know subletter to that with the extra charge? Is that time? It, it, it's not a charge. It's just getting added as additionally insured. Oh, uh, so. okay. I, I I misunderstood that. I didn't realize that the homeowner actually carries the policy and adds the property manager. I have that backwards. You got it. Exactly. Okay, so, but now that's it. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I mean, depending on the size of the of the property manager, because ultimately a lot of live, most of the liability really falls on you because you're managing the property. So if someone slips and falls because of X, Y, Z, well, you're the one that is is there cleaning the property, etc. And unfortunately, I'm not using scare tactics, but when 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 litigation happens and people get sued, everyone gets sued. Um, not only the homeowner, but the person managing the property as well. So you actually get your coverage provided through the owner. Gotcha. I think what you were saying about um, the triple-use insurance for short-term rental, that coverage that you guys offer would actually uh, replace the homeowner's insurance. What's that process like? And should the host get or the homeowner get your insurance before canceling or replacing their homeowner's insurance? Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. And yes, uh, our policy entirely replaces a homeowner's insurance policy. So um, you would purchase our policy and you would cancel your existing homeowner's policy. And typically the way it works is once our coverage is in place, you will receive a evidence of insurance. It's sent to your bank if, if you have an escrow, et cetera. And then you call your agent and you actually flat cancel your homeowner's insurance that you currently have. So guys, the thing to do out there, homeowners or hosts, is to call your insurance company, see what, even if you are already hosting, call your insurance company, have that conversation with your insurance company to see what it would be like with that coverage. They may ask you, are you doing it currently? And I'm not going to say whether or not you should lie or not, but I would just say, you know, like Darren said, they could potentially cancel you right away. So just put the probes out with your current insurance company as to what your current insurance company covers. Get your go back to someone like proper and get the insurance coverage and then go cancel your, your coverage so there's no gap because I'm not, I did not hear that anyone has gap insurance and that is a whole different subject. So and there's so many areas to cover that, yeah, you could talk yeah. for, for hours on it. Um, but yeah, but we won't talk for hours. I think we got a good, I think it's, I think we, we covered a lot of territory here, and um, this podcast is not to teach every, everybody everything there is to know on the face of the planet no, about short-term exactly. rental insurance. It's an introduction to you. So I'm really grateful that we had an opportunity to have you here on this show with us. With us. Thank you. And um, how can people reach Proper or you if they have more questions? Um, thank you. And uh, our website is proper.insure. So there's no .com, uh, www.proper.insure. And we have a lot of information on our website. There's a link there to get a quote in five minutes, which you would put in your property address, your name, phone number, etc. And really that's the place to start. And then okay. one of our licensed agents uh, usually will reach out and kind of go through a, an education session on what you currently have 
and um, what we're offering and um, what the solution is for your Airbnb property. Awesome. Darren, thank you so much. And you guys, that is proper, P-R-O-P-E-R dot insure, I-N-S-U-R-E, in case you thought maybe there was no E on that. There is an E. So proper dot insure. And well, we thank you very much for being on the show, Darren. I think you brought up a lot of important topics for us to um, stew upon. So thanks a lot, Darren, for being on the show. We really appreciate having you here with us and teaching us all about the ins and outs of short-term rental insurance. And if you're ready to be an Airbnb host, check out the link down below in the SoundCloud information or show notes and click on the link there. I can get you in on my ambassador link over to Airbnb to become a host. It's also on my website at rentsentrepreneur.com. And if there's anything else that you would like to hear from us, then go ahead and email me at info at rentalpreneur.com. Always love to get uh, what we should be talking about on the show. Uh, thanks for sharing and liking, commenting. Love to hear you guys and what you're up to out there in the short-term rental world. All right. Thanks for being with us today on the Airbnb Entrepreneur Podcast. And we'll see you on the flip side. 